welcome back to the fifth episode of the Coop Scoop channel. I basically have not uploaded in literally a year, which is really disappointing. But I know my three listeners are so ecstatic to find out that I have finally uploaded. But I was thinking the other day, like, why I decided to create a podcast, like, even in the first place. And... I have this really deeply, like, rooted insecurity of how others perceive me, and public speaking really isn't something that comes to me easily. Um, It's really, it's not really noticeable now, as it was when I was younger and growing up, but I can never make direct eye contact when I spoke to other people. I would minimize my verbal interactions with the people around me as much as possible, Uh, it was just part of growing up that I it was a challenge that I really faced so I guess when high school started I decided to put myself out there the most I could my love for museums led me to become a docent at the Whaley House Museum and the San Diego Museum of Archaeology and although it was obviously really challenging for me at first Learning the ability to reach out and speak to groups of people about places I loved was honestly so encouraging and has helped me a lot with my verbal projection and where I am now. But another really big issue I struggled with was talking to strangers. And, you know, I've grown to love it now. Like, there are things we say when you and I catch the eye of a stranger or a neighbor walking by, like, we say hello how are you or how do you feel or it's a you know beautiful day and in context they do sound kind of meaningless right and in some ways they really are meaningless like they have no semantic meaning like no matter how you actually are feeling or whether the day is actually really gloomy obviously you're Well, it is really rare that you're going to admit that you're feeling actually really poorly or actually the day sucks, but they really don't have any meaning, like, if you actually think about it. They mean something else. They have this social context, and the context is that by me saying these things to you or, like, asking you how you are, it's me recognizing you. And, like, recognizing that you're here and you're present and I see you. I am, like I said before, I'm now, like, obsessed with talking to strangers. I'll make eye contact. I'll say hello. I try to offer help whenever I can. I listen and I get, like, all kinds of stories from this. What I found was that something really beautiful happens when you interact with strangers and you get all these lessons and experiences from these people that you never would have really talked to in the first place if you never approached them or started off with one of the quote meaningless interactions or questions um there was this one instance actually i was standing on the street and i was waiting for the crosswalk sign to let me cross And I was standing in the street, but I was really in a rush that day for some reason. So I was standing a little bit in the road 
And this man walked past me and he said, watch out. And, you know, I turned around because I've never seen this man before in my life. So I was obviously really confused. So I turned around and said, excuse me? Like, watch out for what? And he actually just smiled and was like, I don't want to see you get ran over. What if I turn my back and something happened to you? And he smiled and, like, did a little laugh and just kind of walked away. Um, you know, it was kind of weird, but honestly really wonderful he was so warm and he seemed so happy that he saved me and i felt like we had like this little bond and for a minute i felt like my existence as a person had been noticed and although this seems really corny but like i was worth saving the really sad thing is in many parts of the world we're raised to believe that strangers are dangerous by default which makes sense that we can't trust them, that they might hurt us, but most strangers aren't dangerous. We're uneasy around them because we have no context behind who they actually are. We don't know what their intentions are. So instead of using our perceptions and making choices, we rely on putting these people into the category of stranger. And there are two huge benefits to using our senses instead of our fears. The first one is that it basically liberates us. When you think about it, using perception instead of categories is much easier said than done. Categories are something our brains use. When it comes to people, it's sort of a shortcut for learning about them. We see male, female, young, old, black, brown, stranger, friend, and we basically use the information in that box. It's quick, it's easy, and it's a road to bias. And it means we're not thinking about people as individuals. Um, I was reading about this American researcher who travels pretty frequently in Central Asia and Africa alone. And she basically enters into these rural towns and urban cities as a complete stranger. She has no bonds, no connections. She's a complete foreigner. And... Her survival strategy is to get a stranger to see her as a real individual person. And she basically concludes, if you can do that, it'll help other people see you that way too. The second benefit of using our senses has to do with intimacy. It sounds a little counterintuitive, like intimacy and strangers, but these quick interactions can basically lead to a feeling that sociologists and anthropologists call fleeting intimacy. So it's a brief experience that has emotional resonance and meaning. It's the good feeling that I personally got from being saved from the death trap of that busy road by that old man. Or like how I feel like I'm part of a community when I talk to somebody on the bus, like on my way to class or when I'm on the BART on my way to San Francisco to do who knows what. It gives me a sense of belonging. And you know, sometimes it goes further. Like researchers have found that people often feel more comfortable being honest and open about their inner selves with strangers than they do with their friends and their families, which is really weird. But it's true, and I don't know, you might feel that way too. And sometimes they feel that they feel more understood 
like, it gets reported in these research studies that strangers communicate better than spouses. Like, that sounds like a good, like, catchy tabloid headline, right? But I think that basically misses the entire point. Like, the important thing about these studies is how significant these interactions can be. How this special form of closeness gives us something we need as much as we need our friends and our families. So, like, I mean, if you think about it, how is it possible that we communicate so well with strangers? And there are actually two reasons for that. The first one is that it's a really quick interaction. I mean, it has no consequences. Like, you'll probably never see them again. It's easy to be really honest with someone you're never going to see again, right? That makes sense. The second reason is actually where it gets more interesting. And it's because we have a bias when it comes to people we're close to. We expect them to understand us. We already presumably assume they understand us. And we, whether you do this consciously or not, we expect them to read our minds. Like with a stranger, you have to start everything from scratch. Like you have to start like your story, like who you are, your identity. You don't know anything about each other. Like you're basically starting from nothing. We tell the whole story, we explain who these people are, how we feel about them, and we spell out all the inside jokes. And guess what? Like, once you do that with a stranger, sometimes they do understand us a little better. I mean, I guess it's the same thing as, you know, artists, like, when they've been working on a piece for too long, they have to, like, take a little break, like, because they've it's the only thing that's been in their visual like pathway for so long take a little break like not look at it for a while and then come back to it and see it in a new light in a new vision and you know sometimes that's for the benefit it's for the good side of things so now that we know that talking to strangers matters like how does it work Although everyone interacts with everyone differently, there are these unwritten rules we tend to follow. These rules are honestly really different depending on what country you're in, what culture you're in, like based on social norms. And in most parts of the US, the baseline expectation in public is that we maintain this awkward balance between civility and privacy. It actually has a name for this term. It's called civil inattention. So imagine like two people walking towards each other on the street. They'll glance at each other from a distance. That's civility, like the acknowledgement. And then as they get closer, they'll look away to give each other some space. In other cultures like South Korea, like Seoul, my grandparents live in Seoul and I used to visit all the time. It's a hugely like crowded urban bustling city like in places like that and cultures like that people will go extraordinary lengths not to interact at all like i mean i've heard in denmark that danes are so averse to talking to strangers that they would rather miss their stop on the bus than say excuse me as someone that they need to get around um i mean in egypt or from i've never been to egypt like from accounts I've read online, I've read that it's so rude to ignore a stranger and 
there's like this remarkable culture of hospitality. Strangers might even ask each other for a sip of water. Or if you ask someone for directions, they're like really highly likely to invite you home for coffee, apparently. And we see these unwritten rules most clearly when they are broken or when you're in a new place and you're trying to figure out what the right thing to do is or what the social norm for that new environment is. Sometimes breaking the rules a little bit is where the action is. Another thing is triangulation. There's you, there's a stranger, and there's like some third random entity like a in your guys' environment that you guys both might see and comment on. Like, whether it be a public art piece or somebody preaching in the street, you know, someone wearing, like, a really funny outfit or something. Like, making a comment about that third thing can just, like, lead to a conversation. And then another thing that usually starts it off is noticing. I mean, I personally do this method, like, the most. But it usually starts off by giving a compliment. Like for me, I'm like a pretty big shoe fanatic. So whenever I see someone wearing really like crazy, funky, unique, like vintage-esque shoes, I go out of my way to compliment them because I think they're so sick. And shoes are just fabulous in general. And I guess it's like pretty neutral as far as giving compliments goes, which is why I like giving them out. But... I mean, it's a great compliment. Like, people always want to tell you things about their awesome shoes, like, don't they? (laughs) I mean, like, at least I do. There is also this other thing called the dogs and babies principle. It can be really awkward to talk to someone on the street. Like, you don't know how they're going to respond. But you can always talk to their dog or their baby. Like, I've kind of noticed this, like, whenever I'm on my morning run, and I always run in this really suburban, cute, like, very Silicon Valley tech dad-esque neighborhood, but make it hipster and really, like, indie and, like, laid back. But anyways, I run in that neighborhood, and whenever I see someone with a dog, no matter if I think it's cute or not, or a baby, you know, I was kind of take a moment to smile at it because smile at the dog or the baby because I've noticed it always makes their parents or their owners like happy like oh we're noticing something I own that I love and cherish as well like the dog or the baby is a social conduit to the person and you can tell by how they respond whether they're open to talking about it or not or like yeah like it's their entity And then there's this last thing called disclosure. It's a really vulnerable thing to do, and I mean, with all great risk comes great reward. And it's like really high risk of vulnerability can lead to something really rewarding. So, for example, like next time you decide to talk to a stranger, which I hope in conclusion this podcast will invite you to do if you're someone who's really introverted and closed off. So if you do, and this podcast episode has somewhat inspired you to, if you feel comfortable, tell them something true about yourself. Something really personal. 
um, you might have that experience I talked about of like feeling understood and recognized. And, you know, like, for example, sometimes in conversation, it comes up, people ask me, like, um, what does your dad do or where does he live? So, basically, I guess that comes to my conclusion. Like, this was a really quick podcast episode, but I want anyone who listened to this to take away that when you talk to strangers, it's equating to making beautiful interruptions into this expected, routinely narrative of your daily life and theirs. You're making unexpected connections. And... If you don't talk to strangers, you're missing out on all that. We spend a lot of time teaching our children about strangers, but, you know, sometimes I wonder what would happen if we spent more time teaching ourselves, you know? We could reject all the ideas that make us so suspicious of each other. Like, it might lead to even a space for change. So, yeah, I hope anyone who listened to this gets something away from it. (laughs) It's pretty general. It was a quick podcast episode, but I really do need to be recording more. I have so many thoughts in my head that I need to spill out because unfortunately, I do not have a therapist. So, (laughs) thank you for listening to the fifth episode of the Coop Scoop podcast. And I'll see you on the See you. You'll hear me on the next episode. Thank you so much.